Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. To our new listeners, welcome. To our old listeners, welcome back. Another episode of Magical Education awaits you. But first, we would like to say a few words. Nitwit, oddment, blubber, tweak. Podcast nine and three quarters topic of the week is... What subjects can you take at Hogwarts? Hello listeners, it's Jem. And I'm Ria, and this week we're discussing what subjects you can take at Hogwarts. This is another episode where we're not really debating each other, we're just explaining something about Harry Potter, which is going to come up a lot during our arguments. We want to figure out what all the subjects are, what exactly you learn in them, who the teachers are, all that sort of basic information that we can continue to draw on throughout all the episodes. And I think it's fascinating too, because a lot of people make the complaint that Hogwarts doesn't give people a solid education. And so (laughs) today we can actually look at the subjects and ponder that. Yes. (laughs) What exactly do you learn at Hogwarts? Let's find out. (laughs) We'll start with the core subjects. Uh, these are the subjects that yeah. are compulsory for all students from first year until fifth year. Yeah, and there's seven cores, aren't there? Yeah, I think so. One for each mm-hmm. Horcrux. <laughs> okay. Okay. Hold astronomy. On. Yes, the first well, one is I've astronomy. Got, I've got the info on astronomy. Yep. Okay, so the professor is Aurora Sinistra, or Professor Sinistra. And basically, astronomy is fascinating because it studies the stars and the movement of the planets, and it's really interesting to have it as a Hogwarts subject because it's one of those subjects which is directly equivalent to knowledge of the muggle world. So you Mm. could be a muggle-born and already have an interest in astronomy and be like, sick, this is what I'm about. Or you could just be a a wizard and be like a really good at astronomy and then you could go into the muggle world and continue that. Like, that's cool. Yeah, study space, all the constellations. They have to know the environment of planets and moons. Mm -hmm. So... This I found really interesting because they know that like Europa is an icy planet, for example, and all this sort of stuff. So it beggars the question, like, where does the magic world meet with science? Like, are they ahead of science? Do they have like telescopes that can just see so far into the universe and all this sort of stuff? It's just strange. Um, yeah, that's really <laughs> and, interesting. And it beggars the question, like, like why do they learn astronomy? And yeah, I, I had that's few... what I was just about to ask you. <laughs> I know, I had a few theories myself. It's never really explained, but um, one of my theories is that for ingredients or spells, like kind of that for Polyjuice Potion, there has to be a certain ingredient that's picked during the full moons. They have to know the phase of the moon to like make potions, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, It's probably maybe like for preparing for divination, but actually in divination, they do have a whole sort of component of the subject that covers astronomy and the stars. So you, you wouldn't need it as a prerequisite anyway. And then I just realized, okay, well, not everything that you learn in school is relevant. So, <laughs> like, you know, we had subjects that we went over in school that I would beg a, I, that I would say wouldn't contribute to my life at all, yeah. but I just had to do them anyway. So astronomy could just be one of those subjects. 
And then I've realized that there's also the aesthetic factor. Like, Hogwarts is all about having the aesthetic. Like, they have the fucking quills and parchment and all this sort of shit. So, of course, they're going to be there with freaking telescopes on, on the top of the tower looking at the stars. Like, yeah. that's such an aesthetic move. <laughs> that is an aesthetic move. I can definitely see Hogwarts as just like, yeah, astronomy. That's what we're about. But yeah. also, it might be something that dates back from, like, old magic before we got into the modern era. I'm using air quotes because yeah. it's Hogwarts. So maybe <laughs> stars and the planet's alignment and all that sort of stuff was really important for magic centuries ago. And continuing to study these things as a discipline has just continued into the modern age. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that might make sense in terms of, like, how the Malfoys all have star names. Maybe there is, mm. like, a huge link between stars and old magic. Yeah. If they're our pure blood family, that's like a tradition. Well, the black family well, is the one that that's has a black tradition. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, not the Malfoys, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Draco and Scorpius are continuing it. All right. Next subject charms. Oh, yeah. That's one of mine again. Yeah. So, yeah. Charms is, is another core, and the teacher is Professor Phileas Flitwick, of course. My boy. Basically, charms. I know. Such a nice guy. Charms is the science of charm work. Amazing. <laughs> uh, it's essential for many greater parts of magic. And it's often seen as like a softer option in mm-hmm. terms of um, when you choose a class. And it has more leeway. This is um, JK's quote. More leeway for personal creativity. Ooh. So um, I suppose you can be a bit flexible in charms. You can do what you want. And it has been associated to have like an affinity with dueling because Flitwick is a really good dueler. And oh. if you think about it, there are a lot of like charms that you might use in dueling, like the Protego charm and that sort of thing. So, yeah, it focuses on wand movements and the pronunciation of spells, and it has theoretical and practical exams. But yeah, you can sort of see how charms might have a creative element, because remember how Slughorn, was it in the movies or was it in the books too, where Slughorn was talking about how Lily Potter had that charm with like the rose, the, the lily petal that fell through the water and then turned into a fish, like that's yeah. charm work. And that's like, it's superfluous, like it's not a useful thing, but it's just cool. Yeah. <laughs> like it's nice. Charms always mm-hmm. struck me as a subject where there aren't so much set spells. That doesn't quite make sense. Um, especially considering it's the one where you learn the swish and flick. You have to and say <laughs> Leviosa exactly correctly, and it's all about your wand movements. Yeah. But then the spells you learn in that class are incredibly specific. They're things like how to make mm. a teacup grow legs and dance across a table. That's insane. Yeah. When are you ever going to need that? So... To me, it always felt like a class where you're more sort of learning the principles and theories behind magic, so you mm-hmm. can do magic in a general sense. So once you progress yeah. far enough in charms, you can sort of just be making up your own spells as you go along, was what I always felt the subject was like. That's really cool. Yeah. That's like um, like English, I guess. Yeah. Although if you learn English, you learn how to read and write, and you learn how to dissect a text, but then if you get good enough at it, you can write your own stories mm-hmm. and do what you want. Yeah, that's, that's a perfect metaphor. That's exactly how I saw the subject. Um, yeah. That might be completely incorrect. That was just my impression of it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they do learn like really important spells, like the banishing charm, the summoning charm, and all that sort of stuff. They do. Mm. Yeah, there are a lot of staple spells which you learn in charms. It's strange that it's a soft option. Weird. I mean, it was described it was described as a soft option by Longbottom's grandmother. Oh yeah, because she failed charms, <laughs> <laughs> and so she was pressuring she was pressuring Neville to take uh, defense against the dark arts in his owls or his newts, his newts or something. And she was his newts. Yeah, and she's like, "Oh, don't take charms. It's a soft option." And Minerva's like, "She's just saying that because she failed charms." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're not good at charms. Yeah, I would not describe charms <laughs> as a soft option. Charms is your bread and butter. Defense against the dark arts. 
my favorite subject. (laughs) In this class, students learn how to magically defend themselves against dark creatures, dark arts, and other dark charms. So, offensive magic is taught in this class, which I find incredible. This is Harry's best subject. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Most notably during the Harry Potter series, the position of defense against the dark arts teacher doesn't have a stable professor because the job is apparently cursed. So there's a different person every time. (laughs) So normally I would say who the professor is and maybe give a fun fact about them, but this time I'm not going to do that because that's pointless. (laughs) We don't have all day to discuss (laughs) this one subject. But what I did learn is that Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher is responsible for dealing with any dark arts-related activities that threaten the school and its residents. (laughs) Bullshit. That does not happen throughout the series. I know. I'm like... (laughs) When was that a thing? <laughs> uh, like, and the examples it cited was um, Snape was in charge of dealing with Katie Bell when she got hit by that dark magic in say. sixth year. Yeah, he did look at that necklace. Yeah, yeah. and Gilderoy Lockhart was in charge of uh, defeating the beast in the Chamber of Secrets. I'm like, well, <laughs> in charge? No, no, they put him there just to like mess with him because they knew that he was a fucking con, yeah. and so they're like, oh, go and deal with the beast then. Did they got rid of him? Yeah. I, I really want to go into that whole scenario later in a, another episode, but that's, yeah. that was not a thing. <laughs> anyway. No. Oh, that's bullshit. Another fun fact about the Defense Against the Dark Arts teachers, every single one of them either outright attacked Harry or tried to attack Harry during their tenure as the teacher, except, yeah. <laughs> except the one teacher, Amicus Caro from Book 7, who didn't teach Defense <laughs> Against the Dark Arts, he taught dark arts because Voldemort had taken over yeah. the school at that point. And instead of him attacking and Harry, Harry wasn't at school. Yeah, Harry wasn't at school at that time. But instead of him attacking Harry, Harry attacked him. <laughs> so that's just a fun little thing. Hmm. The curriculum of this class varies a lot depending on what the professor at the time deems appropriate, which I found really interesting because that implies there's not a set curriculum. The teachers just teach yeah. whatever they think is cool, I guess. I mean, it's strange. Like, with Defending yourself against the dark arts, because you'd think that dark arts would change with, like, the times. I would imagine so. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, if they become more resilient to, like, if the wizarding community becomes more resilient to dark creatures, then it might be moving on to, okay, this is how you counter curses, Mm -hmm. instead of, like, focusing more on dark creatures. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's why it's like that. Interesting. Mm. Well, it says the lessons generally have a practical approach with theoretical assignments as homework, which we know is a big point of contention in the fifth book when they suddenly don't get practical yeah. lessons anymore. And the curriculum from Harry Potter Wiki, which is where I got all my information today, <laughs> it gives a list of creatures and spells that students learn each year. So it seems like about half the subject is focused on learning about dark creatures and the other half is learning dark magic or how to defend yourself against those <laughs> not learning them. Yeah, um, I never noticed that in the books. In the in only in the third book did they sort of focus on dark creatures. The rest of the time it was dark magic, yeah, and curses and stuff. But when I was reading through the list of things they learned, like, oh yeah, this all sounds familiar to me. I don't think mm-hmm. we really focus on dark creatures in class, except in the third book. But I do remember them like I have to write an essay on hags, that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. first year, one of the creatures they learn about is. Not really a creature, but they learn how to cure werewolf bites, which... What? <laughs> I was like, what? hang on. I thought there's no cure. And that seems pretty advanced for 11-year-olds. That is wild. Yeah. What the fuck? And what I thought about that is maybe the reason they're teaching children... It, obviously, it can't be a cure for werewolf bites because there isn't one. It has to be the treatment of werewolf yeah. bites. And yeah, maybe the reason they're teaching that to children is because greyback is such a problem. 
I was about to say, yeah, Fenrir Greyback, like, because he targets kids. Yeah, he's a notoriously evil werewolf who targets young children. And, okay, aside from pure werewolf <laughs> bites, the other creature they learn about is snails. No reason given for that, they just learn about snails. I see it's like, remember in the PC game, those snails that are, like, huge and poisonous? Yeah, fire snails? Poison snails, whatever they're called. Slimy boys. <laughs> <laughs> I clicked on snails to get more information from the Harry Potter wiki, and it literally just took me to a page that's like, snails are a kind of slug, and I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> that's not helpful. <laughs> Some of the spells they learn. Uh. They learn a spell that produces green sparks. And that has a bunch of uses. You can use it to cause damage, yeah. minimal damage, but damage to someone else. You can use it to make exploding balls of light and to reveal hidden dark magic. How good's that? What? I know. Wild. What is this spell? It's just green sparks. <laughs> there is an actual spell, but I could not pronounce it, so I didn't write it down. And then there's another spell which produces vermilion sparks, so red. And guess what that does? Red. Attracts attention. No. It is very effective in scaring away plague rats. Play what? What the fuck are you reading? Are you, is this? Are you making this? No, up? I read this from the Harry Potter wiki, and this is why I'm like, maybe this is wrong because it sounds insane. Like, here's one spell oh, that has God. a bunch of really good uses, and here's basically the exact same spell, which is for this one specific thing. No, but plague rats. Think of like where it's set: yeah. UK and Europe. The Black Death. That makes so much yeah, sense. Yeah, it's century. Like, yeah, the bubonic plague is gone. Like, are the wizards still afraid of the bubonic plague? <laughs> and I'm like. Why do they think they need to teach 11-year-olds this skill? It is vitally important that you all learn how to deal with plague rats now. That is so yeah. funny. What the fuck? Anyway, the only other thing that I picked out as interesting from the Defense Against the Dark Arts curriculum is in fifth year, a kind of creature possibly involved in dark magic, iguanas. Iguanas. Oh, the lesbian pet. <laughs> yes, the lesbian pet. But for me, I was like, oh my god, flashbacks to the first movie. Do you remember when Harry's caught flying around on his broom and McGonagall grabs him and runs up to yeah. Quirrell's class and she's like, give me some wood. Yeah, he's got the iguana. <laughs> yeah, Quirrell's there with an yeah. iguana. Yeah. I was right. like, oh, mystery solved. Wow. He was teaching a fifth year defense against a dark arts class. Done. And of course, because Oliver Wood's in fifth yeah. year. Oh my God. It, it all adds yep. up. <laughs> it all <laughs> fits. <laughs> anyway, so that's defense against the dark arts, I guess. It's a bit of a crazy wild bag of subjects <laughs> all right next subject flying oh i have flying mm -hmm. here okay so flying is interesting because it's a cool subject but only for mm -hmm. first years it's taught by madam hooch basically yeah it teaches you how to fly in a broom and it's implied that it's done weekly for the first years however we never we only see um and read about harry's first flying lesson but that could just be because harry's like such a boss at flying that he never had to go <laughs> yeah. back he could have just um, been taken out of that lesson because he basically can do it by instinct. So it could be that those that who aren't like deemed proficient have to keep going back weekly to practice their flying until they pass a test by Madame Hooch. And in the games, of course, they have like these enchanted rings that you have to fly through perfectly. So that could be something that comes up later, but mm -hmm. we don't know. Um, yeah. So that's flying basically. And I, and I think, I think that flying is pretty important because that is sort of like the wizard cars. I mean, they have other modes of transport. But everyone should know how to ride a broomstick. Yeah. Especially for children as well, yeah. because they can't apparate for another seven years. Yeah, so flying is quite yeah, important. Broomsticks are the only way that kids can get around without needing adult supervision, if that makes sense. Let's just send these kids shooting off into the air on these random sticks. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. like you could feasibly, if you're like 13 or 14 or whatever, go visit your friend in the next town over on a broom during the school holidays yeah. and your parents wouldn't need to be there holding your hand. 
statue of secrecy. Just fuck it. Like, <laughs> just fucking fly. Yeah. I'll, I'll catch you at Liverpool, bro. <laughs> whatever. Flying to oh, London. Yeah. Okay, I didn't really think that through, but whatever. <laughs> Next subject, herbology. That's another one of mine. So herbology is the wizarding equivalent of botany, basically. Um, all the kids just learn about magical yeah. and also non-magical plants and how to, like, take care of them. Non-magical Yeah, ones. they learn about non-magical plants. Interesting. I didn't see any of those listed in the curriculum, nice. but apparently they do. <laughs> so, like, I guess next to the venomous <laughs> tentacular is just, like, a pot of grass or whatever. Grass. That was the only thing you could <laughs> think of. <laughs> you sitting here like, gotta think of a plant, gotta think of a plant. A cactus? I came up with <laughs> gum tree, but I'm like, no. <laughs> That's not in Hogwarts. A, a gum, gum tree. tree. Yeah, a waratah, whatever. <laughs> just your basic plants. <laughs> you don't need to take care of Australian plants. They just burn and they're yeah. like, fine. That's literally how our plants grow. They burn and then they're like, yeah, good. This is good for us. So yeah, they also mm -hmm. learn about like the magical properties of plants and what they're used for. So it's a good subject to tie in with potions. Or even care of magical creatures, I yeah. guess. Like, they cannot eat this plant. Like, or they can yeah. eat this plant. I suppose There's a lot of the subjects tie into each other. There's a lot of, like, cross-subject information, which is really useful. Um, classes are held in the greenhouses out behind the castle, and the greenhouses are organised by, sort of, danger level, I guess. So this Yeah. <laughs> I remember in, um, was it second year? They were allowed to go into the more yeah, dangerous Yeah, they were all really one. excited. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and assume there's seven greenhouses and they're organised by year, because that's how I do it. <laughs> yeah. So they've got yeah. all the really easy, safe plants in the greenhouses that the little kids are allowed in, and they've got all the really fucked up, dangerous plants <laughs> in the other ones. Well, in greenhouse one, it's just grass. They just learn to take care just of grass, grass for a year. And then... <laughs> And then level two is like, Mandrake's yeah, just straight I, in. I was very surprised that Mandrake was considered fine for a 12-year-old. Don't they kill you if they scream? They can kill you. If you hear them scream, <laughs> they can kill you. <laughs> so, like, what the fuck is in the seventh grade greenhouses? Like, <laughs> just going inside is instant death. Just look at it and die. One toe in that room and you just yep. turn to stone. <laughs> so this is my first uh, subject that actually has a good professor. Professor Pomona Sprout, who is the head of Hufflepuff. I've done fun facts yes. about them all. So my fun fact about Professor Sprout is that she used to bring the most interesting specimens, some of which dance and talk, from the Herbology greenhouses in to decorate the Hufflepuff basement. And this is apparently why the Hufflepuff students <gasps> excel That's in her so classes, cool. because they're around her cool plants all the time. That's so cool, though. Oh, my gosh. Just, like, waking up, walking out to the kitchens. The Hufflepuff room sounds so awesome. Like, if I wasn't a hardcore Slytherin, I would want to be in Hufflepuff. Because, like... They are right next to the kitchens. They wake up and there's a tree nymph there and just dance. And it's like, hey, yeah. where are we, how are you going? Like, I had a awesome. theory several years ago that each of the Hogwarts common rooms were placed next to what the teachers thought the students would most likely want to sneak out and get, what the founders thought the students would be doing at <laughs> night. So Hufflepuff is like next to the kitchens where they can just get out and get some food in the middle of the night and then go back to their common rooms. And Slytherin is in the dungeons, which is right next to the entrance of the school if they wanted to sneak outside. And also they can run around inside the dungeons where they're yeah. much less likely to get caught out at night. Yeah. It's also near the lake, so you can just go for it. This theory is based on nothing other than, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of cool, I guess. I mean, I guess the dungeons are like probably just above the Chamber of Secrets too. Yeah. So, I mean, if you need to make a, qu a quick... Like duck into the chamber of secrets, just blast a <laughs> hole in the floor, and you're and you're down. Yeah, I'm sure that's Salazar <laughs> Slytherin's preferred method of getting in there. Just fucking kick a wall down. 
Okay, um, so my example from the curriculum is from fifth year. A self-fertilizing shrub is what they learned about that year. What would you think that is? So a shrub fucks itself? I mean, yeah, yeah. I just said what I uh, think it is. Okay, what it actually <laughs> is is a plant that eats human flesh. What? Wait, how how is that self-fertilizing? <laughs> oh my god, where the fertilizer? <laughs> so, yep, it's self-fertilizing, but also... It's a cannibal. It's a cannibal plant. Like, you can't keep it with other plants because it will eat the plants. And it needs lots of fresh water and fresh oh flesh in order to grow properly. What? That's what I was wondering. That? Where are they getting, <laughs> I assume, human flesh, but probably other animals and stuff as well, I would guess. I mean, yeah, you can yeah, get it. Yeah, it does specify flesh, human but... here, so, alright. I mean, also, can we just go fifth back? Year. This is fifth year? <laughs> what is seventh year? <laughs> What do they learn in seventh year? <laughs> There's not a lot of information on it because Harry dropped herbology after fifth year, so we don't know. Neville could probably tell us. Yeah, seventh year, you just you're just taking care of the like the fucking oh Wombing yeah, Womping Willow. That's, that's what you learn about in seventh year. <laughs> the uh, Mexican mm. fighting trees. Oh, okay. And this yeah. probably isn't going to work on the podcast because it's purely visual. But I think the coolest thing about herbology is the equipment which you need, which is dragonhide gloves. Okay? Yeah. And we've heard that, if you've read yeah. the Harry Potter books, dozens upon dozens of times. And I was always just like, oh yeah, gloves made out of some cool dragon leather. I'm going to send you the picture, which is on Harry Potter Wiki. And if our listeners want to see this, just go into Google, okay. type Harry Potter Wiki dragonhide gloves, and look at the picture and how cool these gloves are. Oh my god! I know. I love them. Yeah, which I just yeah. I'm like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. I holy shit! I've never wanted to go to Hogwarts more than this moment. <laughs> um. Okay, that's all I got on herbology. Okay, so the next subject is history of magic. This one is a theoretical class about the history of wizards and witches and the magical world. It's by all accounts the most boring subject at Hogwarts. <laughs> uh, it's basically like a regular non-magical history class, I guess. There's like a big emphasis on names and dates and events and mm. uh the professor's voice apparently puts students to sleep yeah you see yeah. i don't think it's necessarily boring i think it's just professor bins yeah i don't think the yeah. subject itself is boring it's full yeah. of like goblin rebellions and giant wars and stuff like how boring can that really be well yeah i actually had a teacher who had this exact quality where he started talking and the way he spoke was this very low monotone, which never changed. And I could not listen to it. Yeah. I had it for multiple subjects. And in every single one of those subjects, I had no notes. I had no idea what the class was about. I would go in sit down and be like, time to listen and learn. And five minutes later, I'd be sitting there like, what is happening? I just could not listen to him. He would just yeah. turn my brain off. So the professor of Hogwarts is not my teacher, Mr. Hannah. The professor is Cuthbert Binns. He was the history of magic professor. Yeah, his first name's Cuthbert. That's not a my- name. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a name. Possibly my favourite thing about researching for this episode has been finding out all the teachers' first names. <laughs> so Cuthbert was the history of magic professor for many years, until one day, according to rumour, he took a nap in the staff room in front of the fire, and when he got up from his chair, he got up as a ghost because he died and didn't realize. And he just continued about his day, not really noticing that he was dead. How <laughs> relatable, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I like not changing your routine, just dying and then continuing to go about your everyday business. But that's 
really interesting, and we're going to do a full episode on Professor Beans and ghosts in general, but the fact that he could just die and not realize doesn't fit with what we know about ghosts. Yeah, that's strange. Yeah. And also mention the fact that they still hire him as a teacher. Yeah. (laughs) Even though he's dead. How is that legal? legal? (laughs) It doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. It feels like Dumbledore's like sneaky keeping him on as a teacher because he doesn't have to pay him. It's so weird. I think they just couldn't find anyone else to teach it, like, honestly. Yes. But it also makes me question how effective he is as a teacher. Like, does he keep his yeah. knowledge up to date? When, how long ago did he, did he die? Was it thousands of years ago? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. He's pretty, like, anyway. happy and stuck in his ways. Like, when he doesn't notice that his students are sleeping through his classes or doesn't care. And when they interact yeah. with him and try to, like, engage with the material and ask him questions, he gets really mad and doesn't want to talk to them. <laughs> yeah, he, he refers to them by names that aren't theirs, so he's obviously yeah. thinking that they're students from years and years ago. And yeah. it's like, this is not effective. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not a good teacher. Um, I looked through the curriculum. The only things that leapt out to me as interesting, aside from the many goblin rebellions, which we will talk about because what the fuck, goblins. Anyway, yeah, I need to know. Two things. The gargoyle strike of 1911... Wait, gargoyles? Have we ever encountered gargoyles? No, but apparently they have a job and we're on strike. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. Yeah, and the soap blizzard of 1378. The soap blizzard? I know. Okay. Which Um, apparently... um, What kind of soap? Liquid or bar? Well, what kind of soap do we have in 1378? Oh, shit, yeah. That's... What? I've got to assume it's some soap. kind of soap spell. <laughs> I mean, they had soap back then, but this why was but it a not, blizzard? Yeah. Why was it not what we would <laughs> by modern standards refer to as soap? More like they had animal fat and sand mixed together. I guess. Mm. I don't know what soap is. Yeah, yeah so the soap is okay. it. And I'm pretty sure that's just a pun, because apparently it popped the economic bubble and caused a collapse. <laughs> so, I think it's just a joke. Classic. But we have to assume it's real, because that's the way that it works. So, next subject is potions. Another favourite of mine. So, in the potions class, students learn how to brew potions. Ta-da, obviously. Wow. (laughs) Following recipes from their potions textbooks and using both magical and non-magical ingredients and equipment. Wait, wait, wait. I thought they learned how to bewitch the mind and ensnare the senses. (laughs) How to bottle fame brew glory. And even put a stopper on death. Yeah. Of course. That was no rehearsal. (laughs) Apparently, the intricacies of timing, aging, stirring techniques, and bottling are very difficult to learn without the mentoring of an experienced potions master. So that's why this is a subject at school. Because I imagine the equivalent would be baking, and, like, we don't really learn baking at school. You just expect it to fucking learn it yourself. <laughs> um, we learnt baking at school. <laughs> no, not really. We learnt baking and cooking. Yeah, we learned cooking, but we learned, like, how to make a fruit salad and spaghetti bolognese, like, some real basic we also- recipes. Our assignment was how to bake cookies. Don't you oh, remember that? yeah, God, that was such a fucking ordeal. <laughs> Baking those yeah. cookies. That went on for months and months and months. 
exactly. So realistically, it was like a potion. Yeah, so we, I'm completely wrong. We did learn how to bake. Yeah, I guess cooking is something that we sort of learn in school. What would it be? Home ec would be the... Yeah, that's what Americans call it, home ec. Yeah, we just call it cooking class because Australia is a real basic country, guys. We don't have your fancy Yeah, honestly. Names. Like, in home ec, they learn cooking and sewing and all that sort of stuff. We have separate classes for that because that's how little they care about education. Yeah. <laughs> they actually split that up into separate classes. Yeah. The cooking class <laughs> and the sewing class. <laughs> um, yeah, so anyway, they learn potions. <laughs> the classroom's down in the dungeons. I would assume that's because certain ingredients have to be kept, like, in the cold and the dark. That's That makes sense to me. Yeah. Ingredients being Snape. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The professor is the potions master, Severus Snape. I love how he's the potions master. Yeah, that's so good. Is there like a charms master or a trans? No, it's just the potions master. I am Snape, the potions master. The potions master. I've got to assume that potions master is some kind of like prodigious profession outside of just Hogwarts teaching. Maybe it's like a doctorate that a master's in potions. Yeah, you got to get like your PhD in stir and shit. And then after Snape, it's Horace Lughorn for the sixth and seventh books. I have been adding fun facts about the professors. But everything about Snape's life makes me furious. Um, so, <laughs> my f- there's no fun fact. My fun fact about Snape is that after he died like a fuckhead, Brutus Skeeter published a book about his life entitled Snape, Scoundrel or Saint? Scoundrel. Yeah. There's no question. Um, I would call him something worse than that, but scoundrel. Yeah. And then this got me. On the Harry Potter wiki, it said... If it is consistent with Skeeter's other works, it is probably riddled with inaccuracies designed to tarnish Snape's reputation. Bitch, where? What <laughs> reputation? <laughs> riddled with inaccuracies. Oh, dear. Skeeter does not need no. to lie to make Snape out to be a shitty person. Everything that Snape does makes him out to be a bad person. You don't have to do anything. Just tell the story of his life. As listeners might have guessed, we are not sympathetic to Snape. <laughs> No Snape fans in this room. <laughs> but I did include a little fun fact about Slughorn. When he was a student at Hogwarts, he would refer to the Minister of Magic by their first name and try and convince people they were friends. Oh, <laughs> Slughorn. How funny is he's that? So, he's so sad. Like, I know. <laughs> how great is it to imagine like a 14-year-old being like, oh yeah, good old Tom. <laughs> it's like, you don't know the oh Minister of God. Magic. Shut up, Horace. Far out. That's so funny. (laughs) Yeah. So the curriculum of this subject is basically just you learn how to make potions, such as the Draught of the Living Death, Wigan Weld Potion, things like that. Snape also makes them learn about poisons, but I don't know if that's part of the standard curriculum or specifically because he's Um, a dick. Learn about poisons? No, I remember that. He didn't teach- he didn't make them learn about poisons. He threatened to poison first Neville's toad and then Harry himself. (laughs) And then- said that they had to learn how to make an antidote because he was going to poison people in the room. Like, that's not teaching about poisons. That's threats. He set them homework, (laughs) which was like, learn about these undetectable poisons. And if you don't learn good enough, maybe you won't know when I poison you. I know. He's such a terrible fucking dude. Bad teaching. Imagine if our math teacher just walked into class with, like, I'm not going to say a shotgun because that's a bit too horrifying. No, no, no. Not math teacher. Your chemistry teacher <laughs> walks into the class. It's like, you better learn how to detect sulfur, because I've set off sulfur in this room, so if you, you're asking yeah. 
Fucking suck it. I was thinking more like <laughs> like our woodwork teacher walked into a class with a hammer and was like, if you don't build this wooden truck correctly, I'm going to smack you over the head with this hammer. Snape's <laughs> a bad teacher. <laughs> anyway, that's enough on potions. Oh, Next God. subject is transfiguration. Ah, transfiguration. Taught by my girl, Minerva oh, McGonagall. The best. The best of so, all. I know. She's 10 out of 10. Amazing. Okay. So tra- in transfiguration, you learn about changing the form or appearance of an object. And it's really, really difficult <laughs> because you have to get everything exactly right in the r- correct order. Okay. And it's much more scientific than charms. That's why charms are seen as like a softer option compared to transfiguration because it's like really right, That makes sense. And you have to, yeah, you have to get spot on. Cause like you see that when they try and turn like, uh, like a table into a turtle or mm-hmm. a tortoise, something. And it's like, oh, my, my table, my tortoise still had like a mahogany shell or something like that. Okay. And there's all this That's stuff. because they tried to but make the really shell too soon or whatever when they should have been working on the shell after yeah. they got rid of all the mahogany. All right. It involves pronunciation, wand work, and concentration. There are different branches, including cross species transfiguration and human transfiguration. And this is interesting. They have to learn the alphabet and the transfiguration formula. There's a specific alphabet for transfiguration. It's not just A, oh, B, okay. C, D. So no, like, they should like, know the alphabet. As, no, yeah, as 11 year olds. I, I read that first, I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? And then I saw the picture. It's like, okay, they're actually like different symbols. Okay. Um, and transformations are influenced by five different factors. Body weight, viscousness, wand power, concentration, and then an unknown fifth variable. <laughs> so it's a lot like, I'm trying to think, it's like physics, but practical. Okay. Um, wait, is that a thing? Um, <laughs> is that a thing already? Uh, practical physics would be like engineering, but. I mean, there is theoretical, there's theoretical physics. I assume it's just physics if it's practical. Yeah. <laughs> it's just regular physics. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's very much like, they have to have a specific formula that they follow. It's very mm-hmm. scientific and um, has to be just That's really just interesting. Right. That so, yeah, that's, unknown fifth that's element, is that like there's some fifth component to certain spells and it's different for different spells? Like turning a pig into a desk is a different kind of spell than turning a pin into a toothpick or whatever. I mean, all the different elements are labelled with a letter, so like mm-hmm. algebra, and the unknown fifth element is labelled with a Z. So I don't know if that means okay. anything, but... Yeah, I was wondering yeah. if it's like specific spells have some other thing that you need to figure out, or if all of Transfiguration has this big mystery element that no one's been able to crack. Yeah, yeah it's strange. It, it's got to um, be the first one. It's got to yeah. be the former. It's got to be specific spells have a specific thing that you need to do, and it's you have to learn each individual spell, because otherwise it's like, we have not figured out how to do this thing. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. super fascinating. I would so want to do Transfiguration. Mm. Uh, so that's all of the core subjects. So now it's time to move on to the electives. These are the subjects which students mm. start taking in the third year, and you can take basically between two and four of these, unless you are Hermione Granger and you get your hands on a time turner and do them all like a big nerd. <laughs> oh, okay, so the first elective subject is alchemy. Oh, I didn't oh, do God, it. No, um, I done alchemy. Shit. Oh no. <laughs> okay, well, basically, I know. From my limited, I did not know I had to do alchemy. Oh, okay, basically, what quick, I know. Quick, open up the Wikipedia. Is that it's a specialized subject, so it's only offered to like older students in their newts if like there's enough demand for it, and that it's basically about turning objects into gold. Or okay, there is basically nothing yeah, on no. the Wikipedia, so I'm just going to read it out. 
As you said, provided there is sufficient demand, alchemy is an optional subject taught at Hogwarts school or blah, 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 to the sixth and seventh years. Okay, so this one, you can't pick it up from third year. It's only for sixth and seventh years. Concerns the ancient science of alchemy, the study of the four basic elements, as well as the study of the transmutation of subjects. Okay. Okay, I'm going to quickly... There's nothing about the professor or where the class is or anything like that. Yeah, because it's on demand. So it it was obviously never really on demand. I did a quick little click on to alchemy. Uh, it is intimately connected with potion making, chemistry, and transformation magic. Alchemy also concerns philosophy. Alchemical literature is dominated by the mystical and metaphysical speculation. Okay, cool. That's a basic rundown of what alchemy is. Yeah, it seems like it was this sort of thing that, like, if you take ancient Greek, like, it's yeah. superfluous. You don't really need to do it. It's just like, again, it feels like it's something that was outdated. Like it used to be a really big, important branch of magic, but then we sort of figured out potions and transfiguration. So we sort of dumped alchemy and moved on. And actually turning things into gold, isn't that supposed to be like illegal or really not possible? I think the philosopher's stone Stone is the only thing that does it because everyone could turn things into gold, then the entire wizarding economy would crash. I mean, yeah, I'd be turning everything yeah. into gold. I'd be like King Midas. Like, fuck my first book. Everything's gold. They're gold now. And the, not because I need the money, because I don't, because I have all this gold. It would just purely be for aesthetic. I'd be like Harry, wanting a solid gold cauldron. Yeah. Oh my god, he, that boy he is lusting for gold. Isn't there, like, three or four separate occasions where he's like, I want occasions. to buy something that's made out of solid gold? Yeah. Solid gold scales, cauldron, gobstones. It's like, boy, <laughs> rein yourself in. You can't turn up at potions with fucking solid gold scales. Oh Snape will actually shit on Can your you face. you imagine? Snape would have just died then and there if Harry Potter had walked into that subject, strutted in like his father, and plonked a solid gold cauldron down on the desk. Uh, <laughs> my boy, I love him. <laughs> okay, the next subject is ancient runes. Yes, I've got that. So the the professor was mm-hmm. Bethesda Babylon, third year and above, of course. It focuses on the runic scriptures or runology. It's mm-hmm. highly a theoretical subject, and it basically looks at the ancient runes and scripts of magic. It's very little information on it. So, but I, what I did learn is that the n- the numbers of arithmetic are represented by animals. So uh, a zero is a demiguise because they can turn invisible. An eight mm-hmm. is an acromantula because they have eight legs, and a three is a rune spore because that's like a type of yeah. creature that's a, a three-headed snake yeah, and things that like that. That is super fascinating. fascinating. That reminds me of two yeah. things. First of all, how I tried to learn math when I was a kid, in which I made up personalities and intricate relationships for all the numbers. I know this is how I oh tried because I'm such an English <laughs> student. I'm like, what if, what if six I was, was a girl say, and she was in love with such seven, and eight was seven's mother and didn't approve of their relationship? And this is how I tried to learn math. So math problems, I would make up stories <laughs> for the math problems. It took me like several years uh, to get this out of my brain and just be like, just do the math. <laughs> it's not effective. <laughs> you turned like math Basically. into a soap opera. So I like, like that it? because it's an incredibly childish way <laughs> to approach numbers. Let's just make them animals. Well, I mean, that's what a lot of like, like a lot of different languages, mm-hmm. especially tribal languages, they base a lot of their like, uh, scripts and the yeah. pictures of animals and the environment like if you look at indigenous like writings like they'll have just um like symbols that mean lagoon but that also means other things because it's like 
associated yeah. with the water and associated with the child. Yeah, I, so yeah, it makes right, sense. I'm wrong. That's not childish go, at all. Um, it, not thinking of ancient runes yeah. correctly. If you think of them more like something like hieroglyphics or something, or it's a picture that's also yeah. a word that's also like a story. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, mm. Yeah, okay, cool. Do you have anything else on ancient runes? That's all. <laughs> okay, that's so we'll all. move on to the next subject, which is apparition. <laughs> it's not really a Hogwarts subject. It's mm. an optional 12-week course, which is run at Hogwarts by the Ministry of Magic. It costs 12 galleons, so it's the only yeah. Hogwarts subject that costs money, as far as we know. A galleon And week. only students who are 17 or will be 17 before the next apparition licensing exam are able to participate. It takes place in the Great Hall, where they yeah. lift the anti-apparition charm for an hour while students try and apparate a couple of feet forward into a hoop on the floor. That's really fascinating to me, because if you were, like, trying to attack Hogwarts yeah. and you knew about the apparition, and you could just be like, I'm not going to apparate into the Great Hall, and, like, dress, put, put on your old robes mm. so you seem like just a regular and- student. And yeah, just there. this, like, fucking 30-year-old man in his Hogwarts uniform. <laughs> like, yeah, that's normal. Yeah, okay, right. Polish's potion. Well, actually, that's... <laughs> okay. What's fascinating about this class is, yeah, they lift the anti-apparition charm in the Great Hall, but does that mean that you're just able to apparate inside the Great Hall, or can you apparate in and out, as you're saying? They l- take the apparition yeah. class in the sixth year, because that's when the students are either 17 or will be turning 17. Yeah. And that is the year, some of you yeah. may remember, when Draco Malfoy was trying to get Death Eaters into the school to kill Dumbledore. So instead of his convoluted plan with the yeah, that's the, um, cub- cabinets, or whatever they were, I was going to say cupboards, the magic cupboards, he could have just been like, hey, my class mm. is going to be at this time, on this day, have a bunch of guys ready. And as soon as they lift the charm, just everyone apparate in and we'll have chaos. During sixth year is when the war's going on as well. So anyone, any fucking death eater could have popped in there or just like, there's nothing holding them back. Okay. So the instructor for this class is Wilkie Twycross. He's not a professor. He's an instructor that's been sent from the Ministry of Magic. So that's a bit interesting. He's described as being oddly colorless and insubstantial. So, like, he's really pale and his hair is really wispy and (laughs) he doesn't really have colour in his eyes. And Harry thinks that's because of all the apparating he does, which is possibly the single most terrifying line in all of Harry Potter. That is frightening. I mean, I would have just assumed, oh, he's an albino. But, like, no, Harry's just gone. Maybe he just apparates so much that he loses, the blood just drains from him. Maybe he apparates around so much. (laughs) The most common form of magical transportation that all wizards and witches do. Maybe he does that so much that his actual physical form is disintegrating in front of my eyes. That's terrifying. What the fuck? Maybe it's terrifying. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we're just never going to address that. (laughs) Sure. Let's just pile that under. Oh, no. I don't want to think about it. It's like at the end of the third Jurassic Park movie when the big flying dinosaurs, the pteranodons or whatever, are flying away, and Sam Neill looks at them and goes, oh, they're just looking for a new nesting ground, and nobody starts screaming. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's that's horrifying. <laughs> Don't just skip over that. That's... What? What? Ah! We're all gonna die! Anyway. <laughs> the curriculum is the three Ds of apparition. Destination, determination, and deliberation. And that was the source of much mocking. <laughs> and this duke... I forgot about the mocking, but yeah. I just hearing that I was like, "This Duke." So yeah, no, no, fifteen, no sixteen-year-old could take three Ds <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> Our next subject is arithmancy. So arithmancy, which was uh, Hermione's favorite subject, is taught by Professor Septima Vector. 
Mm-hmm. So it's the third year and above, and it's about predicting the future using numbers. So it has a bit of uh, numerology to it. Um, mm-hmm. And numerology, for those people who don't really know, it's like looking at the occult significance of numbers. So like sacred geometry and stuff like that. But anyone listens to the black tapes, so that's what that's about. <laughs> or like if they play if they play D and D, it's in there. And there's also like advanced arithmetic studies, which is taught, and I think that's m- maybe like a thing that's on demand as well. So like if they have arithmetic students that want to continue on. And a fascinating thing is that if you wanted to be a curse breaker, so like how Bill works at Gringotts as a curse breaker, you have to have an owl in arithmetic to do okay. that. So right, it's like cool. math on drugs with uh, a bit of divination, I guess, but more like accurate divination. I, mm. It's interesting that it's Hermione's favorite class when Hermione is so down it's on divination. That it's she thinks it's a subject. completely bogus branch of magic. But arithmancy is her favorite. That's a strange contradiction. Well, maybe it's because it's compared to arithmancy. Divination has yeah. no like basis in fact. <laughs> like, um, if you're using like sort of formulas to look at mm-hmm. predicting how things will occur, that's not like telling the yeah. future with the crystal ball. I suppose ball. that's the difference between it's trying like to predict the weather probability. by studying weather patterns versus by chucking a handful of bones in the air and guessing based on how they land. Care of magical creatures. Students learn about feeding, maintaining, breeding, and the proper treatment of a wide range of magical creatures. Breeding? I don't, oh, I guess I don't remember that coming up. They do learn it though. <laughs> uh, maybe they learn about that part more theoretically. Uh, I mean, I th- you'd think breeding because you know that there are like measles breeders <laughs> and fancy hippogriff breeders and all this sort of stuff. But like, you'd think that would you wouldn't be that's something that teaches in school because that's really dodgy. Imagine if they taught. Okay, so we have agriculture in school. No, but they don't. They don't teach they do. you how to. Had to breed in our, horses in our, and like take, again like, for that's... listeners who don't know, our school had an agriculture department, and agriculture was a subject you could take. And in that subject, one of the I guess major works that you did in year nine or ten was you either had to grow like a bunch of I think it was sunflowers or bean plants or something like that. You either had to grow a bunch of these plants and they had to reach a certain height, or you had to breed mice and you had to have at least ten mice by the end of the semester. I know. You start with two mice and you have to end up with ten. And I'm like, how Jeez, good is that as an assignment? Dope. Yeah. You start at the beginning of the semester with two okay. mice, so and by the time the semester breed, ends, 12 weeks later, you have to have ten. And that's the assignment. That's teaching kids incest. Teaching that's you really how to raise up. mice <laughs> is not teaching yes, incest. Um, those mice have to be incest. Okay, so you have two mice, they have a baby, and then that... Mouse or, has to have a baby with one of its parents, and then that mouse has to have a baby with its parents. You have two parent like, mice, which have to have multiple two- <laughs> litters that survive. You don't have to have, like, two or three babies, raise those, and then breed the babies. This ain't no Noah's Ark nonsense. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking biblical here. This is this is our school. We're talking about oh, Hogwarts, no. not oh the God. school that we went to. <sighs> okay. <laughs> so, yes, they learn about breeding and feeding and all the general things that you would learn about animals. The classes take place in the grounds, usually just outside of Hagrid's hut, but sometimes in the Forbidden Forest, which is great. I like how the forest is forbidden sometimes, and sometimes classes happen there. <laughs> and sometimes attention happens there too. Let's The Forbidden Forest is dumb. So the professor of the class yeah. is Rubius Hagrid. Whole other episode. He took over <laughs> from Sil- Silanus Kettleburn. 
who lost a limb while teaching this class. He retired <laughs> after the second book to enjoy yes. more time with his remaining limbs. <laughs> oh, quote from Dumbledore. So that's great. With his remaining limbs. The remaining limbs. Yeah, it may have been multiple. I assumed it was multiple limb limbs well. because, that haunts me. I don't know, remaining limbs? Like, would you say that if a person had just lost a hand or whatever? Which is interesting. It, seem, it seems like there's yeah. more than one that's gone. <laughs> so... Maybe like a half body. I think I think it was like a half body yeah. thing, like a like a two birds one stone. So he got munched on one side, and, and so he's fine. Left and he just leg, wants to left retire. arm, just gone. Like and he's all right. <laughs> he's all right. Oh fuck! I hate you. He's all right. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> so <sighs> I don't have anything on that teacher because my fun fact is that he lost multiple limbs. <laughs> Just, just ridiculous. What was he teaching? What animals did he bring to the class? <laughs> this school is so dangerous. My fun fact about Hagrid is that he occasionally brings illegally bred creatures into the class, such as the blast-ended screwits. Yeah. For those people who didn't read the book, those animals are some kind of eldritch abomination. And I want to do an episode of them, so we won't get into them too much. Mm. But just Hagrid sometimes brings illegally bred animals <laughs> to class. Also, sometimes Hagrid is away and the class is taught by a substitute teacher, yep. Professor Wilhelmina <laughs> Grubbly Plank. And I read her entire Wikipedia article, and the only interesting thing I could find about her is that she smokes a pipe. That's it. That's all she has in her life. Interesting. Yeah. I'm mysterious. Wow, I'm, I'm okay. Intrigued. The curriculum for the class is just basically a bunch of creatures, whatever Hagrid's found interesting and brought into class. Um, it includes hmm, such animals as Nifflers the big fan favourite from the Fantastic Beast movie, the little steely <laughs> animal that's attracted to shiny things. But my favourite animal that they learn about is flobberworms. Mm. Why? Because yeah. they don't require any care. <laughs> Why are you learning about them and care about magical yeah. creatures? The only thing they did in that class was feed them letters, and then they all died from overfeeding. So they <laughs> have two orifices. They have one at each end of the worm, and both of them are a mouth and an anus. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> And flobberworm fritters anyway. are sometimes served for lunch at Hogwarts. Okay. No! No! That is not okay! No! Absolutely not! They are apparently not a favourite amongst the students. I 100% can tell you that they taste like ours. <laughs> yeah, they're the worst. Divination is the next subject. Divination <laughs> is the study of telling the future through the use of various tools and rituals. Mm. According to the professor... There is a limit to how much divination you can learn if you don't have the sight. So the class is pretty much pointless because you can't learn divination unless you're already naturally gifted in divination. <laughs> so it's kind of a farcical subject yeah. and a lot of people consider the entire branch of magic to just be obscure and inaccurate like Hermione. She hates it. The professor is Sybil Trelawney, who is the great-great-granddaughter yeah. of Cassandra Trelawney, a famous seer. <laughs> Going on my, again, dislike of this teacher, so I went to something post-series. After the series ended, Trelawney wrote a book entitled My Eyes and How to See Past Them. She's such a flaky woman. <laughs> I hate her. More and better, uh, Ferenz, the centaur, also biscuit. sometimes teaches divination. Taught the subject for a couple of years between Umbridge firing Trelawney and when he was eventually accepted back into his herd Ferenz, after the series our ended. friend. <laughs> I mean, I say a lot of shit about Dumbledore, but without a doubt, the best move Dumbledore ever made was hiring Ferenz, a centaur. Yeah. <laughs> Taking Umbridge's okay. racism That's and right. just 
sticking her nose right in it. Like, Fine. Dumbledore does Super have some sure. great moments. <laughs> <laughs> that was an iconic one. Incredible. So the curriculum for this sub include things like tea leaves, crystal balls, astrology, which we mentioned, horoscopes, <laughs> dreams, tarot cards, um, basically all so the shit says. that muggles use to tell the future. The classes mostly consist of just using your textbooks to try and interpret these symbols. Next subject, muggle studies. Muggle yeah. studies is the core class in the Hogwarts non-magical yeah. curriculum. There is more subjects, we'll get into that. It consists of... The study of the daily lives of muggles and how they cope okay. with electricity, technology, and science instead of magic. The class is designed to acquaint wizards and witches who do not live in direct contact with muggles with how the way they that cope. they live. And uh, how good is this? At higher levels of research, wizards who are studying muggles will use um, the internet yeah, to search for information, which is the only time it's on the HP wiki. Where? Yeah, they would have Bitch, to go where? to, I would imagine, a muggle library. Where? That's where I would go for internet access no, if I was a witch or wizard. Every time I've gone into a library, the there's been some whack job in robes <laughs> trying to look up something, wandering oh. around lost, oh speaking gibberish to them. There's always a crazy oh person in the library. <laughs> hey, I volunteered at the what? library before I moved to the big what city. What to? <laughs> there was always someone at the library who was crazy. Oh, here's what I learned. Prior to the first Harry Potter book, Muggle Studies was I taught by Professor Quirrell. I know! How wild is that? I had no idea! <laughs> anyway, after Quirrell, yeah. most of the series, uh, Charity Burbage taught Muggle Studies. Uh, and she was killed by Voldemort at the beginning of the seventh book because she was writing articles for the Daily Prophet, which were basically like, stop hating muggles, instead have sex with them, make beautiful half-blood children. My fun fact about her is that her last words are almost the same as Dumbledore's. Really? Severus, please. She saw Snape at the Death Eater meeting and she was begging for him to save her life and then she died. <laughs> yeah, fucking Snape. The curriculum of the class includes muggle games such as hangman, cards, noughts and crosses, rock, paper, scissors, <sighs> dominoes and crosswords. Oh, and playgrounds. These are just apparently the muggle things that wizards need to know about. But it's incredible because hangman... Like the game that you play, Hangman. From memory, Harry and Ron play that game inside the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them textbook, which means Ron didn't know about it. Harry had to teach I him that because not a part of wizarding society, apparently. That's so cute. Yeah. They also play Noughts and Crosses in that book as well. So now we're on to the extracurriculars? Yeah, okay. The first one that I've got here is Albus Dumbledore's yeah. Homework Help. So from memory, in one of the movies, there is a sign up in the Gryffindor common room. <laughs> which we'll get into that but it basically says Good Albus luck. Dumbledore's Things homework gone help from the come school, to Dumbledore's like office at this time. time on this day and <laughs> I will help you do your homework and that's a little extracurricular no, thing that you can do why, why have we oh. and uh, it's bullshit for multiple reasons firstly he only offers it to the Gryffindors so fuck the other students <laughs> another one how do you get into his fucking office <laughs> Do the students even know where his office is? Unless you've been sent to the principal's, the headmaster's office before. How do you know where it is? How do you get inside? Dumbledore's not even there half the time. How does That's he know awful. your subject? What if you need help with divination homework? He never took that. Ridiculous. We can rant about this all day, so let's yeah. move on to the next one. Ooh. Ancient studies. Oh yes, I have that. So, for ancient studies, the teacher is unknown. It's never specified. I imagine and it again, would be I'll like, have like one sentence Merlin Presumably and the Hogwarts founders on ancient, like ancient wizards, such as the ancient Egyptians even spells. before them. Like, and then I have like yeah, uh, how we did magic. My theory is wands, that basically. maybe it's more UK focused, so it looks at like historical sort of magical 
happenings of the UK. And then I thought maybe oh, the yeah. founders might come into that more because they were around the 10th century, which is sort of ancient history. So yeah, that's big um, studies. Yeah, that's fascinating. I'd love to take that class. That sounds so cool. Okay, so art. Again, an unknown professor. It's for third years and above, mm-hmm. specifically Wizarding yeah. World Art. So there's also a, a Muggle art class, which I think you have. And this, I thought, would make sense with Wizarding Photography. And also, fun fact, in the first um, movie... Dean Thomas would definitely take that um, The Philosopher's Stone. There's a male teacher seen at the staff yeah, table wearing a beret. Boy. And I it's assumed that, he is, <laughs> that he's the teacher yeah. of the art class, because a beret... Uh, is either French person yeah, or artist. <laughs> so that's art. The next extracurricular subject is frog choir. Oh, I love this. So <laughs> frog choir, bit of a misnomer because they don't use frogs. They actually use toads. Um, <laughs> I know. The professor is Flitwick mm-hmm. and basically it's a singing group. They practice in the Great Hall. Interesting fact. They sing fluently in Latin. And they sing polyphonically. Did I pronounce that right? Polypho- polyphonically. Yeah. Which means that they can produce one or more, t- more tone at the same time. Um, what? Wait a minute, right? Are the, are the toads singing in Latin or the students singing in Latin? <laughs> the students. But I remember them being like, something wicked this way comes. That's I mean, not Latin. Obviously, I mean, obviously they can sing in Latin and English. I mean, English oh, is okay. their native language. <laughs> Alright, okay, so they can sing in Latin, <laughs> not they sing yeah. everything in Latin. Alright, anyway, move yeah. on. Because, <laughs> yeah, they famously did um, perform in the third movie, and they were actually they're a movie creation. They're not, they're not in the books at all. Created for the third movie by the director, it was his idea, and JK just loved it. And so, if you actually go to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter in the UK, they do perform there as well. And it's said to have been founded during Celestina Warbeck's time at Hogwarts, oh. because her. Celestina Warbeck is um, a witch who's famous for like her warbling voice on the Wizarding Wireless. Um, mm-hmm. So it was founded around her time in 1928 to 36. So maybe Newt Scamander was there. I don't know. Maybe not. Um, no. It was after his time, yeah, because her mother kept on complaining that there wasn't a singing group at the school. Also a fun fact, one of the toads in the third movie, the one that croaks the end of the song, is Trevor, Neville's toad, which makes me think – Okay, because Neville's not in that choir. Do they just take toads from around the school <laughs> for the aesthetic? <laughs> hang on. Hang on. How is that Trevor? I don't know. What? What do you mean that's Trevor? <laughs> Neville yeah, still I mean, has Trevor as a pet at that point. I assume they donate toads to the choir when they're, when they're needed. <laughs> what? That's madness. <laughs> that's it's that's like, insane. Oh, I can see. Hey. Can I borrow your pet? <laughs> I've got to rehearse. All right. So that's Trevor, apparently. That's bizarre. I have no idea how that even makes any sense. Okay. Next subject, ghoul studies. Ooh. Okay. The only thing we know about ghoul studies is that in the credits for the third Harry Potter movie, remember the credits that are like the Marauder's Map? Yeah. There's a classroom on that mm. map marked ghoul studies. Therefore, it exists. I love the third Harry Potter movie. It brought yeah. us so much. <laughs> It feels like it brought us a lot of these subjects. (laughs) It is apparently also on the official Marauder's Map from the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. The subject presumably focuses on ghouls, ghosts, and poltergeist. There's no more information on the curriculum or who teaches the subject. Next extracurricular, Magical Theory. This class is seen on Harry Potter's timetable in the film version of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. 
So all we know is that it's a class taken in the first year, maybe beyond that. And there's also an ad for the textbook, which says that the class covers magic from a purely theoretical standpoint, including the topic of how spells work. Huh, wish I took that. God, I know, I that's know. fascinating. That, <laughs> if that subject was something that we actually got to see in the books, we might not even need this podcast, because everything might just make sense. Yeah. I love magical theory. The next one is muggle art. This is quite like the art subject you mentioned earlier, except it focuses on the non-magical art. It's another part of the non-magical curriculums in which students probably study and experiment with muggle artifacts and paintings. It's possibly taught either by Professor Charity Burbage, the muggle studies teacher, or also it could be that guy from the first movie who's wearing a beret <laughs> in the first hall. <laughs> it lists him as a possible teacher as well. And next is music. Music is an extracurricular subject accessible only to third-year students and above and is taught by a male teacher. That's it. It doesn't say anything more about <laughs> what kind of music they study, why that's a Hogwarts subject, anything like that. <laughs> that's all well, I got on music. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of music extracurriculars, as you'll notice. I have another two ones that are music-based besides Frog Choir. But yeah. I, <laughs> like, in total, there are four music classes and two art classes so that's a total of six music and art yeah which seems yeah. insane that's too many but remember Dumbledore loves music he loves chamber music yeah. and in the first book he gets them all to sing the Hogwarts song to whatever tune they, they fucking want yeah <laughs> and then he sheds a tear he sheds a tear he just loves music he does he loves music a lot I 100% believe that Dumbledore <laughs> just decided to have all these music subjects and nobody could stop him <laughs> <laughs> all right so as we've hinted at our next subject is muggle music okay yeah this is part of non-magical studies at hogwarts mm -hmm. again the professors listed here there are several there's a music professor which i'm assuming does regular music which is the wizarding music yeah there's also litwick and charity burbage and Quirrell. Okay. <laughs> like, these are all the ones listed here so we're just taking um, that okay. guess it could be fucking anyone <laughs> it could be anyone Okay, again, third years are above, and that's all it says, uh, muggle music. And so I've made some guesses here mm -hmm. that obviously during the time that Harry was at Hogwarts, it'd be all 90s music. And I'm so excited at the thought of wizards learning about, like, Vogue, Baby Got Back, Can't Touch This, I Want It That Way, Wanna Be. Like, can you imagine? <laughs> oh, this is so good. <laughs> yeah. I take it back. Let's have oh all music subjects at Hogwarts. <laughs> And after Muggle Music, the next subject is Orchestra. I've got the that too. final music subject. Finally, we've reached the end of the music subject. Orchestra is done by Flitwick, and they sometimes play by themselves or with the Frog Choir. Like in the third movie, they were playing with um, the Frog Choir. It includes a saxophone, violin, cello, flute, drums, harp, tuba, and harpischord. A harpischord is a real instrument. I looked it up. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a... You know what a harpischord yeah. is? I did not know what that was. I had to Google image it. I'm like, this is a magical instrument, surely. No, it's like a fucking keyboard. Um, <laughs> Some kind of garbage muggle instrument. Sorry to all the harpsichord yeah. players in our listener base. Yeah. Shout out to the harpsichord players. Okay. Um, they're only in the movies. Again, they play at the Yule Ball before the Weird Sisters come on and steal a show. Mm -hmm. And they also play um, in the fourth movie at the beginning of the third task when they're about to enter the maze dun, with that little tuba number. Yeah, and they get cut off. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> by the cannon going off. God, that was a good bit. <laughs> Filch doing the cannon too quickly. <laughs> Great. <laughs> the movies do have a lot of good stuff in them. Okay. And our final extracurricular subject and the final Hogwarts subject is xylomancy. Fuck off. I know. What is that? <laughs> what? Xylomancy. Is that like bringing xylophones back from the dead? <laughs> I wish. Oh, no. Using xylophones to bring back the dead. Oh, my God. Because they sound like skeletons dancing. <gasps> it's, it makes so much sense. <laughs> Xylophones are the skeleton's instrument. Yep. Um, I'm just not even going to say what the real subject is because that's better. No. <laughs> no. Xylomancy is the often overlooked branch of divination, which tells the future through the use of twigs. That's all the information I have. Oh. It just says twigs. You know that thing where they use the stick to try and find water? A, d- a divine, yeah. yeah. Maybe it's something like that, or maybe it's like when you scatter the bones, like maybe you scatter the twigs and try and read their patterns. Or do you remember in Avatar the Last Airbender when she puts the sticks in the fire? No, that's the bone, sorry. She puts the bone in the fire and then the cracks come up in the bone. Yeah. But, yeah or no. maybe it's burning certain yeah. kinds of twigs, or maybe it's yeah. you go for a walk in the forest and the kind of twigs that you see about are special. There is endless ways that twigs can be used to divide the future is basically where I'm going with this. Um, the subject is taught at least once in the North Tower at Hogwarts because it's seen on Harry Potter's class timetable in the film version of Philosopher's Stone. I like that the Philosopher's Stone movie just decided to make up a bunch of classes and put them on Harry's timetable. Like, why did you do that? And when is this timetable seen in the movie? I, it I'm must like, cast him back in my mind. I can't. Mind. Special features, maybe? Yeah, special features. Maybe there was, like, a shot of it sitting on a desk somewhere, and they never realised that people would fucking look at it and see it and write multiple Wikipedia pages on the various things written on it. Anyway, Excellent. that's debatably not canon, because it's a divination subject, and Harry didn't take divination until third year, so there's no reason why he would be taking oh, yeah. xylomancy, which is a specialised kind of divination in the first year. In fact, I would probably argue that none of these extracurricular classes are canon, <laughs> because um, Frog Cryer is seen in the movie, so <laughs> as we've discussed, I don't think the movies are canon. <laughs> so, yeah. But why wouldn't you want Frog Cryer to be canon? I know. <laughs> Um, all the sources are pretty weak, but it's fun to talk about and fun to imagine, so I've got no real problem with it. Oh, you could catch me in Frog Choir smuggling toads out of people's hands. I need this for choir. Okay, so that's all the subjects. <laughs> uh, now let's get on to the fun part. What subjects okay. would we add if we were in charge of the Hogwarts curriculum? My first one is healing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, considering... How much injury happens at that school alone? And never mind just your life. Your life as a wizard, like uh, a bunch of teenagers with nukes in yeah. their hands walking around the school. Like you need to know how to do basic healing. It's mm-hmm. real simple. Even if it's just summoning bandages for ruler or like yeah. kidney and all that basic sort of stuff. Basic cuts and so, scrapes. Like, I cannot believe that's, that Harry Potter, of all people, did not know how to heal a cut on his hand. Because that happens in the seventh book. He cuts his hand and he's like, shit, I don't know how to deal with this. Also, I love that Hogwarts has an entire hospital wing, a full-time healer on staff. Why wouldn't you have healing as a subject? It doesn't make any sense, especially because I would imagine that working in the St. Mungo's is like a really solid career choice. I mean, it's basically being a doctor or a nurse. Uh, I'll do one now. Occlumency. I think in a world where certain people can just fucking read your mind... (laughs) 
I think it should be oh, a compulsory, oh, yeah. if not a compulsory, an elective class to learn how to stop people from reading your mind. <laughs> I think that, that should be a class. And also, that would solve a big problem in the fifth book. Dumbledore could like just slip Harry a sneaky note and just be like, hey, Harry, I'm not going to tell you why, but it's mm. really important that you take Occlumency and just try your hardest in that class. Like, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal, but you just do that. <laughs> Okay, my next one. I had here logic, mm -hmm. because as Hermione has pointed out in the first book, wizards are rubbish at logic, and it was just Again, that room in, uh, when they're going to find the Philosopher's Stone, they have to pass all these challenges, and they get to Snape's room, which is a bunch of potions and a line, they have to figure out which one's poison, which one's nettle wine, which one will get them through the door, all that sort of stuff. So it's a logic puzzle, and Hermione's like, oh yeah, wizards will be trapped in here for years, because they haven't got an mm -hmm. ounce of logic in them. And I'm like, holy shit, like... Logic, like okay, so even if it's just yeah. as an extracurricular, where you just do riddles and math yeah, puzzles, yeah, absolutely, and yeah, that logic puzzle in the Philosopher's Stone, I've actually sat down with the poem yeah. and figured it out. So the fact that that was designed as a test, which would defeat most wizards, is terrifying. <laughs> the next class that I would add, yeah. wand law, like wand making, the, wand. the theory of wand making at least, the different components of wands and how they interact with each other what wands are, how they work, all the basic yeah, sort of wand law shit. That's what I would teach to kids, because I think every single person in Wizarding Society has a wand, they rely on them, use them daily, and they have basically zero understanding of how they work. Yeah, I mean, but if you think about it, we all have phones. I don't know how a phone <laughs> works. I know how to use my phone. I suppose you know how to use your wand. Like, if someone took, if someone took my phone from me, I don't know how to get that back, because I don't understand the legal system. Work. That's a bit off. But anyway. That's about how <laughs> it works. Please don't take my phone. I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's what you're talking about. Yeah, that's a big component of the seventh book, and Harry just had to sort of figure that yeah, out on the fly. One more, like, because he I didn't think go. they should all be taught that. And also, early on. Like, if someone just arms that's the their one of now. the wands. Like, where <laughs> school and basically checks all the tribes of champion wands and make sure they're good. Well, and he looks at Cedric's wand and he's like, oh, what a clean, good-looking wand. Mm. <laughs> and Harry, Harry's like, Fuck, I yeah. did not realise I was supposed to polish my wand. And he looks at his wand and it is covered in fingerprints and it's like, crap. And he's like, oh no! He tries to scrub it clean on his And Harry's there, like, trying to polish. Which is so good. So even just basic, like, wand care and maintenance. Oh, there'd be so many dick jokes. Can you imagine the dick jokes? Make sure you only leave fingerprints on it. Anyway, make sure you yeah, polish your wand should be on a the subject rig, <laughs> So my next one is actually um, languages, because, you know, there are lots of different species. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you could learn Murmish, Gobbledygook, which is the, the goblin language, Muggle languages, and then magical languages. Remember Ludo Bagman or whatever? What? Oh, no, the, the, the fucking Minister of Magic is, like, trying to communicate with the minister from Bulgaria and can't say a word in, too in Bulgarian. And <laughs> too so many he languages. And so Barty Crouch there. Barty Crouch can speak apparently fucking 200 languages or something like that. Is he, like, the language man of, like, the ministry? <laughs> like, are people just relying on him constantly? And also, he didn't, yeah. like, try to become the head of that department. He was trying to be the head of um, magical law enforcement and the aura department. But then he just got shifted to that department mm -hmm. because he was too strict after the war. So it, it wasn't even like he was, like, he just knows that many languages. 
And so that leads me to believe, as someone who yeah. studied languages a lot, that, that leads me to believe well, because that Dumbledore also speaks a bunch of languages. He speaks Mermish. And so we'll if you learn that, that root book. language really well, and, you can pick um, up the other ones I've like extrapolated from he can learn the evidence so that he also speaks Parseltongue. Must be really that's never confirmed, but he definitely speaks Parseltongue yeah. on the sly. So that's interesting. Uh, magical theory, I would make that a core class from years one yeah, to five. Excellent. Is that all? Is that all? Yeah. I'll go through mine then. Um, so I had also sort of linking in with languages, a cultural studies. So yeah. they learn about the different wizarding cultures and different species as well. This kind of goes into care of magical creatures, except in care of magical creatures, it's much more practical. So they learn how to take care of other creatures, but also there are creatures and species yeah. that don't need to be taken care of, like the centaurs and the goblins and all that sort of stuff. And they should be learning about their cultures and how to interact with yeah, them. Yeah, that's really because, important. Because, like, when it comes to seventh book, Harry doesn't understand goblins at all. And everyone, like, Bill and Never and Ron is like, you've got to be careful with goblins. Like, you know, and all that sort of stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe that's just prejudice, but yeah, there's that's also a really good point because, as you said, care of magical creatures is more about taking so care of animals. That but there are magical creatures that have human-level yeah, sentience and entire cultures and societies all that stuff. And also, a wizard should understand, if not be an expert in. Do in South America all this sort of stuff? Yeah, there would be a lot of value to that subject, definitely. It's pointless to make things like Harry and Hermione do Muggle studies. That's ridiculous. But I yeah. feel like it needs to be a core class because the sheer level of ignorance that most wizards have towards muggles and the fact yeah, that I agree with most you. wizards don't, as far as we can tell, most wizards don't take muggle studies. They think it's just sort of a yeah. dumb grudge class. Okay. So maybe it's like muggle studies is a core. And when you go into yeah. muggle studies, you have to take a test. Okay. If you pass this test with flying colors, you, you don't again. need to do muggle studies yeah. and you can do another class. So my next one was, yeah. I tried to describe it. I've written down like political science, law, something like that, or commerce. Because what we have in in the Muggle world is like legal studies or commerce. Oh, yeah. It's where you learn about how the government works, how laws work, and how like bills are, are passed and all that sort of thing. And just basically learning about the state. Um, yeah, that makes sense. And I think that would be pretty important. I, the Ministry for the, of Magic the does seem to be the primary so employer of go into the Ministry many, of Magic many, for many people. So, so it's just understanding what it is and getting that education in high school is a really works, good idea. How laws work yeah. in the Wizarding World, how justice uh, works. In the the only world. other and so that's change that, that I've suggested yeah. for the curriculum is I would get rid of yeah. Muggle art and Muggle music. You don't need those subjects at the Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. If it's super important, just combine it into Muggle studies. Just have just yeah. a part of Muggle studies is we look at art and music because they should be doing that in Muggle studies anyway. I would combine music, orchestra, and frog choir into a single class. Or frog choir wow. should just be a club. <laughs> it shouldn't be a class. It should just be a club. Like yeah. Quidditch or the Gobstones Club. That's it for this episode. I've been Jem, one of your hosts. And I'm Rhea, well, the other and better host. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> You'll hear from us soon. Thanks for listening to Podcast 9 and 3 Quarters. This show is written and edited by Rhea and Jem. You can send us an email at 9 and 3 Quarters Podcast at gmail.com or talk to us separately. Me, Jem, on our Tumblr page, podcast 9 and 3 Quarters.tumblr.com, and Rhea on her blog, prostintedglasses.com. Please feel free to send us theories or ask us questions and bombard us with so many messages that we go mad and run away to a hut and a rock in the sea just to avoid them. This week's intro music was Double Trouble by John Williams, and our outro music was Hedwig's Theme by John Williams. You hear from us again in two weeks' time. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.